Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, Big Ten fans? I am Jeff Turn, the almost famous Adam Carricker and the much less famous Jeff Turn, hanging out with you on another Big Ten show. We've been off a couple of weeks. Adam has, you know, listen, all right, my schedule isn't busy. So, like, when we're off for a couple of weeks, it's because Adam is much more important than me and he has things going on. I'm just, you know, trying to corral the cats or the kids or however you want to say it. He has actual things he has to do. So I'm glad that he was able to put a few of those things aside and talk some Big Ten with us today. Adam, how are we doing, buddy? I am glorious, first of all. I am always available for the people. I just needed a break <laughs> from you. And I can see you still haven't combed your hair, haven't done the laundry behind you. <laughs> I've missed you. How you doing, buddy? Hey, nothing has changed. Like I said, man, absolutely nothing has changed. By the way, Man Salon, baby, coming to oh, a sponsorship okay, right, near right. you. All right, Man Salon, like all right? I don't get my hair cut every day, but when I do, I, I go to the Man Salon. Remember that Dos Equis commercial? That's where it comes from, all right? That, I, I like made it. that up. I like they that. liked that yep. liner years ago. They've used it ever since. All right, yep. so we are back, and uh, as Greeny would say on ESPN, better than ever. And we have a handful of topics to dive into on this edition of the Big Ten Show. And I got a live read. I got to get to it a little bit, Adam, so don't let me forget that. I'm going to do gotcha. that, though. We're going to get to some some gambling this summer. But we're going to get to, first, the Big Ten Conference announcing schedules for way down the road. Not 2023, not 2024. The 2024-2025 the stuff. Okay, now, listen, Adam, I'm going to break this down very simply for you. I'm confused when I look at the release from the Big Ten, right? I had to go through it like three times. It talks about maintaining control and flexibility as college football postseason formats evolve. Balance of annual travel by distance, regions, and conferences and time zones. Balance of historic competitiveness and recent competitive trends, including home-away balance of traditionally competitive schools. Balance and maximization of television inventory each season. Then there's a bunch of games that are actually going to be played. You're smarter than me. Explain what the hell's going on here. What, what, what did the Big Ten announce to us with regards to future schedules? They want to make the most money possible with the best matchups available. Boom. I, I, don't, I don't know what they said, but that, that's what they meant, regardless <laughs> of what they tried to say. I mean, you talk about balance of what, whatever, geographic location. I'm looking at UCLA. I have all the 2025 schedules printed out here, and I've got the five toughest. I'm looking at UCLA. They're playing Rutgers. You can't get any more geographically far apart in the Big Ten than those two teams. They're just trying to make money. Just come yeah. out and say it and be honest. We can respect that. Everybody already knows it. And frankly, nobody has a problem with it. Just be upfront, though. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at this, and, and I'm seeing 2024, 2025, and you're right. I mean, you're talking about the polar opposite ends. And, and Rutgers, you know what they did was they did the home and, home and away there with those, with those opponents. Um, the new Flex Protect Plus schedule model is what they called it. <laughs> I mean, sounds like mean? some not, that sounds like some <laughs> nonsense that they try to sell you on when you're buying a new car. Hey, we got the new Flex Protect Plus scheduling model. Yep. Uh, they they play they have uh, two play opponents that will be played both home and away in 2024 and 2025, including quote protected opponents that'll be played annually beyond the 2025 season. Now, for example, um, Iowa has three protected opponents: Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin. But Michigan State just has one, Michigan. Penn State has no protected opponents, but they have three uh, two-play opponents in Michigan State, Rutgers, and USC. Like, as I'm looking at this with UCLA and USC, I'm super pumped 
about some of these rivalries, which we're going to talk about next week. But I, I like the fact that like I had to basically get a PhD in scheduling to figure this out, man. I'm glad that they made it more confusing than they needed to. You know, it's interesting, and you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, they want to create the best matchups available. They want to make the most money, the best TV revenue. It, it, that's okay. It's allowed. We're cool with it. Just be upfront and honest. But here's what I found interesting. I found interesting that Penn State had no protected rival. Right. And yeah. so actually on a show that I did here locally in Nebraska, because Nebraska's one protected rival is good old Iowa, all right, and the number one ranked helmets in the Big Ten Conference per this show, I think they were number one, right? Was they that, were my correct? number one. They were, they were your number, number one. one. Were, you I don't even Michigan. remember my own number you had one. Michigan. Was, you had Michigan. I had, oh, I did have Michigan. Okay. You had Michigan. Iowa's, Iowa's up. I'll never put Iowa number one in anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm as unbiased as I can be and open and honest about my complete and utter bias. All right, but here we go. Penn State, how about Nebraska being a protected rival? And here's really? why. Geographically, you think that? You think okay, that? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Huh? Geographically, it makes no sense. I understand. Okay. I understand. But. You can't leave them out. They're like the kid in the corner with no, no friends and nobody likes them. So who could they partner with? My initial thought was Michigan State because they play them at the end of the regular season each and every year for the past 20 years or so. So that was my initial thought. But if you're not going to go with Michigan State, look around the Big Ten. Who else do they have a little bit of history with and who's kind of a name brand? Yes, Nebraska's got to get better. We're well aware of that. And good old Lincoln, Nebraska. But let's say they do get better. And everyone expects them to under Matt Rule. By God, we can't get much worse. Thanks, Scott Frost. But I digress. Let's move forward and light this candle. The fact is, Penn State, Nebraska, two of the top ten. If you were to list the top ten prestigious fo college football programs of all time, they're both going to be probably in the bottom half of that top ten, but in the top ten. Also, Penn State, Nebraska have his history. Go back to 1982. Nebraska is in Penn State. Their guy, they're trying to make a comeback. Penn State's driving down the field, trying to make the comeback. Their guy catches the ball 84,000 yards out of bounds. They call him inbounds. They end up scoring as a result. Penn State goes on to win a national title in 1982. Nebraska had one loss that year, and it was on that horrifically horrible call to Penn State. Now go to 1994. Okay, Penn now State. we're talking. So listen, you know the rule on, on my sports shows is that if it happened before 85, it really didn't happen because that's what I was It born. happened. No, but it happened. 94, much more relevant. No, 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 All right, no. go ahead. Go it ahead. happened. Go How ahead. dare you? It happened. All right, he was way out of bounds. He wasn't even in the same state. All right. When he caught the ball, by the way, 1994, Nebraska, Penn State, both go undefeated. Most people probably know this, but Nebraska is the, is the undisputed national champ. Penn State didn't get anything that year. First of all, they should have played. They did not. I have a, I have a, a trainer when I was in Washington with the Redskins. He's a big Penn State fan. He still has the front page of the New York Times from like New Year's January 2nd or whatever, 1995, declaring them national champs. So in his little mind, they're national champs. Sure. But you've got history here. You got two prestigious programs, and more than anything, Penn State needs a dance partner. And so that was kind of my reasoning. It makes more sense for it to be Michigan State in my mind, but if it's not going to be Michigan State, and Michigan State's like a yo-yo. They're so up and down, and, and Nebraska's not a lot better. But they're going to be better, and I think that could be a, an interesting matchup. Yeah, some rivalry. of the other, some of the interested, uh, the other interesting protected uh, opponents, um, you got the in-state rivalry, Indiana and Purdue, Michigan, of course, Michigan State and Ohio State. Oh, that vaunted rivalry between Northwestern and Illinois, Rutgers and Maryland, uh, UCLA and USC, uh, Wisconsin is with Iowa and Minnesota, and and uh, as you mentioned, um, Nebraska's Iowa. For those Minnesota fans, Iowa and Wisconsin are the opponents there. So it'll be interesting to see what all these teams look like in a couple of years. That's the other thing too. Like 
you know, you can do the the schedule game. Oh, that looks like there's some wins and stuff there. With the transfer portal, that is probably the the most worthless game you can play right now. Is how many wins will my team have in 2025? Because you have no damn clue. And with how quick they pull the the, the trigger on coaches, who knows uh, who the coaches will be for some of these teams in a couple of seasons as well. Any other any other um, mind blowing notes that you had from the the schedule releases for the next couple of years? So I'll quickly as I can go through the top five most difficult schedules that I saw. And this does include non-conference games. And actually, Nebraska AD Trev Alberts came out, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have the quote, but he basically said in the new Big Ten with USC and UCLA, there are no easy schedules at all. And it may call for an easier non-conference slate, which I would have hated in the past. But it makes absolute sense if you look at some of these Big Ten schedules. Now, I will say this. With 12 teams getting in the college football playoff in the near future, you can afford a few more losses. So then maybe I change my opinion on the non-conference difficulty of schedule. But you look at Michigan. They've got Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Iowa in 2025. You look at UCLA, Georgia, okay, Penn State, Wisconsin, USC, Michigan State. I circled Nebraska here. Uh, you got USC. They keep Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Uh, let's see, Wisconsin, UCLA, Penn State, Michigan State. That's a brutal slate. Then you look at Wisconsin, Alabama, UCLA, Iowa, Michigan State. And again, Michigan State's so up and down. I, I ended up circling, even though I debated it, Ohio State, USC. So Wisconsin in 2025, they're going to play Bama, Ohio State, USC, UCLA, Iowa, Michigan State, and Nebraska's schedule. I had them as the fifth toughest schedule. They've got, let me see here, USC, Ohio State, UCLA, Michigan, Iowa. Okay. And actually, they're going to Cincinnati, which I guarantee when they scheduled this did not seem like a tough game. It is no longer an easy game, as we all know. I mean, those are some insanely tough schedules. It used to be I would look at college football schedules as a kid, and if I saw two, maybe three tough opponents, I'd be like, whoa, that's a tough schedule. Now, if you see three, you're like, oh, that's that's cake. There's There's got to be like five or six for it to be tough when I start looking at these schedules, so should which the Big is Ten- awesome, which is awesome as a fan, though, I must say. So should the Big Ten schedule a lot lighter in non-conference? Well, so that's what Trev Alberts was saying, and that's obviously going to be up to each school and what they do. You know, I, I heard someone say recently that the SEC – Okay, they're eventually going to be punished for having eight conference games and have four non-conference. No, they're not. Okay, they, they literally came out like a couple of days later and like, we're staying with eight conference games. Yep. Shove it up your rear end side with yep. it and say that, but exactly. that's basically what they meant. They're never going to be punished. You oh. know why? In fact, they're going to they're gonna continue to do their second bye week, as I call it. You know, like Georgia plays Georgia Tech and Clemson, South Carolina, and all these these rival games, Florida, Florida State. That week before, they always play like hey, Georgia never, Southern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. N- never Georgia heard of a university. It's, yeah. it's never heard of a university, a second bye week. They're never going to be punished for that. They're never going to be punished for eight conference games. And honestly, I don't know that they should. They're, in my opinion, the Big Ten is top to bottom, top to bottom, a better conference. But the SEC is top heavy. And what everyone sees is those big games, those college football games, those major bowl games that they tend to win. Just look at last year. They beat the ACC champ in the Orange Bowl, Tennessee over Clemson. They dominated the Big 12 champ in the Sugar Bowl, Bama over Kansas State. Obviously, Georgia goes on to win the whole thing two years in a row. So until the rest of the universe gets together and actually beats them when the games matter, nobody's going to care about this other crap. You can whine and moan all you want, but ain't nothing going to change. 100%. 100%. You're right on that as well. He's Adam Carriker. I'm Jeff Turner. This is the Big Ten Show, YouTube, iTunes. Check us out on Spotify. Make sure you like, subscribe, the whole nine yards. 
with all of that. All right, um, I want to move on to some realignment news. There's a piece up at ESPN.com within the last day or so about Colorado, and there's a lot of references to the Big 12, but I just I keep going back to what I think college football is going to look like in a decade, and I, I think it's going to be the Big 10. I think it's going to be the SEC, and I, I still think we will have one other conference. I don't know what it'll be, but I, I don't feel like we're just going to get two super conferences, at least in the next decade. Maybe a little bit farther out than that we will. So if you're Colorado, are are you really entertaining the Big 12 as much as you would be begging to get into the Big 10? I mean, just two years ago, people were talking about the Big 12 was dead. You know, yeah. and, then, and then the Pac-12, which will be the Pac-10 and maybe even less pretty soon, rejected a merger with the Big 12. Now the shoe is flipped. Now the Big 12, hey, maybe people want to join us. Bye-bye Pac-9 if Colorado leaves. Yeah, I you think know. that's the most vulnerable one is the Pac-12 of all of them. Oh, by far. By far. And it, it's yeah. funny. To, it, it's like when um, Blockbuster, 2002, could have bought Netflix, said no. How'd that turn out? Not it's, very it, good. Dude, it's just like when the Pac-12 said no thanks to the Big 12. How's that going right now? Now, as far as Colorado, of course you want to go to the Big 10 over the Big 12. Not just because we're on the Big 10 show, but look at what the money you're going to make. Look at the way things are trending. And, of course, you want to get the hell out of the Pac-9842 soon. You know, you want to go anywhere else. Now, I think when you sent me the text about which conference they're a better fit, that's a different conversation. They'll have better success in the Big 12. Way better success. Way better success, yeah. I look at it from the Big Ten's point of view. Okay, all right. Because I could see getting to 20 teams because then you could have two 10-team divisions and your nine conference games, your other nine division opponents, you have three non-conference games and then you can you know, play the conference championship versus right. the top two teams. Although college football is trending towards no divisions. But I think if you go to 20-team conferences, this makes sense. Yep. And so if I'm the Big Ten, I'm looking to add four more teams. Theoretically, to get to 20 teams. Here are some of my top contenders in my mind. Oregon, Washington, Utah, Stanford, Miami of Florida, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina. Those are probably the top eight. If I was Dude, to listen, just... you don't, wait a second. I got to halt you. You don't okay. have to say Miami of Florida. All you have to say is the U. Nobody mistakes the U for Miami of Ohio, okay? All right? We got that out of the way. Go on. I, I've been trained that way since I was a kid. I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to they say Miami of Florida. They trained you wrong is what they, they trained Dude, you Miami wrong. of Ohio <laughs> – the, the, the greater than symbol. The gator is eating <laughs> the you <laughs> the better, the bigger one. All right, here we go. Uh, other additional ones in the conversation would be Duke for basketball, obviously. Kansas, the same thing, although they're getting better in football, and potentially Louisville, which I was surprised was left off that ACC Magnificent Seven list. I think we chatted about three or four yep. weeks ago. And I so if Dion's staying at Colorado. Dion's on this, or Colorado's on this list. Sure. He ain't staying there forever. He ain't staying there forever. And if you look back, they're not good at any other sports. They've been the worst team in the Pac-12 since they joined it with the exception of one year. And if you look historically, they were good late 80s to early to mid 90s under Bill McCartney. Other than that, they have pretty much stunk. Now, they had a run where they made some Big 12 title games and got destroyed every year in the early to mid 2000s. But that's it. I there's there's at least Oregon, Washington, Utah, Stanford, Miami, Florida, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, at least eight teams I would take in front of Colorado if I'm the Big Ten. All right, we'll what see what happens you? on that front. It'll be I, I'm telling you. What say you? you? I, I say um, if I'm the Big Ten, I think Oregon is a natural fit. The Nike money and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanford is a great fit. The academic side of it is perfect fit for what the big 10 likes to add at times. Um, 
I like I how you said Stanford, it. I take, I, I like I take Stanford over Cal. <laughs> I, I think I think those teams in Florida are going to be the last that they. I think they're able to get. I think they're able to pluck uh, Pac-12. I think the ACC will hold on longer. I think if we saw, you know, the 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 dissolve of other conferences, Pac-12 is going to go first. Then I think it's going to be the ACC, and then I think it'll be I think it'll be the Big Twelve. Uh, I think the Big Twelve will be third on that list. And I think you know if you think about geographically the the nonsense that that we were were told for years that it mattered um, that doesn't anymore. So maybe the Miami conversation or the Florida State conversation comes in quicker. But yeah, I think. You can go out west and, and pluck those schools first. I would take those two. I probably would take. I, I might even Cal sucked lately at a lot of things, but you know Cal's another one. That market out there, the number of people that live out there, is I think important to the Big Ten versus going and getting Oregon State just to add another school because of how small the marketplace is. So I, I think that they would probably look at the state of California first outside of Oregon, and that would include Stanford and Cal. Uh, and then if I had to take an ACC school, I'd, I'd – man, I'd, I'd probably think that they look at at trying to add Florida or Florida State before they went up the coastline and tried to add North Carolina and North Carolina State. North Carolina would be a good one, I think, that they could add. Um, they're, they're traditionally solid enough at football, really good at basketball – and a good academic school. So those would be some of the ones that I would think about before I would even go after Colorado. I've never seen you think this much on the show. It, it hurts, doesn't it? It's it hurts a, it's, a lot. It's almost impressive. It's um, almost so impressive. I'm with you. You make a good point. There's going to be a third. I think the Big 12 could become the universal conference. Like they're going to be from coast to coast, north to sure. south, east. They're going to be all the schools hanging on. They're going to be They're going to be the Oregon states and the Cows and the Oklahoma states. And Duke and Louisville, if they're not included in all this, yeah, um, I'm with you. I think Oregon, Washington are natural fits. Stanford could be a natural fit. I think Miami of Florida and Florida State end up in the SEC along with Clemson. The question to me is, where does North Carolina go potentially? Okay, and is that the fourth school if you go Oregon, Washington, Stanford, North Carolina? If you're the Big Ten, but that'd be interesting we'll see. to see. That's for sure. We'll see. Uh, let's move on. Uh, our final topic of the day is going to take us. To baby Gronk, okay? And this all came about last week when baby Gronk was getting national headlines and trending on social media. His dad has um, made a lot of headlines. There was a piece in The Athletic last week about sort of the regimen that was going on with baby Gronk. Now, for those that don't know, uh, Jake San Miguel uh, is the dad. The son is Madden San Miguel. And Madden... Caught the attention, like I said last week, of so many people. He's 10 years old, uh, has 300,000 followers on social media, has been seen with Aaron Judge and Olivia Dunn, the, the gymnast from LSU, taking pictures with DeAndre Hopkins and um, so many others. Now, listen, first of all, there's the conversation about his age being only 10 and the fact that he's solely going to play football where if you talk to any college coach or any high school football coach or any coach that I know, they always say, I want the kids to play all kinds of sports. I want them to play. Usually it's the youth coaches that go, I want you to centric in on one sport. And it's the coaches that actually matter when they get to college that are like, man, I, I love the multi-sport stars. They're the ones that we love to have on our team. So that part's number one. Number two, it's the fact of, is the dad trying to live vicariously through his son 
and the dreams that didn't pan out for him trying to have them pan out. And then there's the third part of all of this. And it's just, is it creepy or not? Right? Like, is it weird? And so let's start Adam with what your initial thoughts were when you heard about said 10 year old named baby Gronk. I wasn't surprised. You got to keep in mind. I have six kids. Okay. All between the ages of six and 13. So the five olders are all in competitive sports. And I was telling you before the show, youth sports is one of the dirtiest things I've ever seen in my life from recruiting. And kids you don't live school. in like L.A. or Chicago no. or in these matches. You, no. you live in Colorado. I live in Colorado where half the people don't care about sports because they just want to go live on the mountain, which is a great thing. It's not a knock. Hippies. Hippies. It's not a knock, dude. It's God's playground out here. It's Hippies, here. baby. Hippies. But here's the deal. I have watched grown men getting fistfights over a kindergarten flag football game. I have watched grown men and women pay opposing players, steal, recruit, poach, however you want to look at it, nine and 10-year-olds, eight, seven, all the way up to 13 till high school. Hey, come play on my team. And then you've got World War III when the former team plays the new team. Oh, yeah. And then you've got owners of leagues that are stacking their teams. And then you've got guys who are paying the owners of the leagues and paying the refs in the championship game. I watched a championship football game in the fifth grade where there was a player on one team taller than every single coach on his team. And they just gave him the ball over and over and over and over and over and over. And guess what? They won. Shocker. And to me, I'm, it's, it's a topic that I could rant on forever because it's incredibly disappointing to me. I will keep it shorter than I would like, but longer than you probably want. Uh, I will pick on the culture of softball specifically because it's the worst. I have kids who play football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer. Let's see what else. Gymnastics, volleyball, baseball, softball. I think I got them all. Baseball's the second worst. Softball's the worst. It is by far the worst. I had a coach drop F-bombs at me. Like, do you have a death wish? Because in January, because November, December, January, nine and 10 year olds need to be doing winter conditioning, ladder, speed drills, rather than going playing volleyball and basketball. I had my heart issues a year and a half ago, and we hadn't seen the coach for three months because my daughters are multi sport athletes. And the first thing he said to me when he saw me is, He goes, How's your fucking heart doing? And I couldn't believe it. By the way, the team fell apart, and he's the worst youth sports coach I've ever seen, and his daughter's going to hate softball. She really wants to play basketball. And I'm going to be honest, she sucks at it because he won't ever let her do it. So he's screwing <laughs> her all around. The team fell apart. But 9- and 10-year-olds, if you're in the culture of softball, based on my experience, which I will speak firmly about because I've seen it with three different kids now, my, youngest, my daughter, Dakota, won't play softball. She's just going to play baseball, which is bad enough, but not as bad as softball. If you want to play spring and summer competitive softball, you've automatically committed to the fall. You are no matter what playing 10 months out of the year, which I did not know. And then I found out you have committed to winter conditioning. And if you're not there, you're punished for it for nine and 10 year olds. So kind of went on a rant, kind of makes sense with baby Gronk. The dad is living vicariously through the kid. When I asked um, John Cook, the volleyball coach, and when I asked Tom Osborne, okay, and even Scott Frost, make fun of him all you want. I asked them three. What, what is, what's a big piece of advice you give you sports athletes? They're all three, completely independent Multiple of each sports. other. All of them said be multi-sport athletes, and here's 100%. why. Because a lot of times you're burned out mentally, you're burned out physically, you're burned out emotionally, and you've already tapped out your potential by the time you get to college, and you're not going to get much better if you even last. If you're a multi-sport athlete, you're more well-rounded. 
It's scientifically proven you're going to be happier, healthier, and play sports longer. Plus, your ceiling is much higher when you get to college because you ain't tapped out yet. I did the best I could to keep it short. Dude, I agree with you on that. No, I mean, <laughs> listen, I was on ESPN Radio last week filling in on the Afternoon Drive show. We're talking to the entire country at the time. The baby Gronk thing comes up, and it was it was sort of, whether it was social media, whether it was the co-host I was with, Myron Metcalf, who covers college sports for ESPN and the NFL, we were all in agreement, like, listen, I don't have a problem if your kid's really good, man, and you're giving him every opportunity to be great. Yes. But yeah. like when you're sliding into the DMs of like 150 different podcast hosts and, yep. you know, th- like trying to get your kid to do interviews and like, dude, he's 10, he's not going to do a good interview. And then people are going to think he's not that smart or that you're, you're being, you know, he, he's being put in bad situations. It was not a good week for baby Gronk. It was a better six months before where, where he was known, but not known like this. And I thought last week was a bad week for the dad, a bad week for the kid. Unfortunately, the kid has to deal with some of the decisions of the dad. But listen, um, hopefully that kid turns out to be awesome. And we look back and he's not one of the horror stories because you can go to Hollywood, you can go to sports, you can go to anywhere. And usually the kids that are great at something have a hard time adjusting when they're adults. Uh, it just is sort of how it works. It's just not a sustainable model. I've, nope. So here you said it best. Higher level coaches want you to play multiple sports. People who are trapped in the moment a.k.a. clueless youth coaches who are amateurs playing house, and I don't care how that comes across, they, they're they focused on winning now because it's about them, and it's it's about being trapped in the moment. And frankly, you are trying to implore an unsustainable model over time. It's just not. I've received two emails, two emails from my kids' competitive coaches. Trinity was nine. Addison was 10. Two different teams talking about we're trying to get these kids to call it. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And I just stared at the screen. But here's the <laughs> other thing. It's no longer taboo. It is no longer something you just do in secret. It is now out there. It is accepted. And coaches will email about it now. They're not even trying to hide it because it's accepted in youth sports. Man, we'll see what happens on the Brady Gronk story. I'm sure this summer it's not going away anytime soon. Hey, man, great that you weren't sick of me long enough to hang out for 20-some minutes. We'll do this again next week. He is the almost famous Adam Carricker. I'm the much less famous Jeff Turn, as another page has turned here on the Big Ten Show. Hope you all enjoyed it. Look forward to chatting next time. Be well, everybody.